Welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Chef. This is Mike Howell. If you're a fan of those cooking competition slash reality shows, more specifically, are you a fan of MasterChef? And have you been watching that show from the beginning, which was back in 2010, by the way? You may know or remember the name of the season one winner. Yep, I have the honor of presenting MasterChef Season 1 winner, Whitney Miller. As you may imagine, there is no preparing for a life that Whitney has lived in the last seven years. She has traveled the world, and we'll talk about her going to Dubai and going to China and how she realized in every country how food brings people together. doesn't matter if you speak the language, uh, know each other, just uh, being sitting at a table, breaking bed with bread with other people, it just there's a connection there. Food connects. It's kind of like I think food and music do the same. They connect people in ways. It's a universal language. So we talk a little bit about that. We also talk about growing up and the food memories that were created when we were uh, both kids. We talk about our grandmothers and how spending time with them in the kitchen and how those food memories are, are created when we're kids. Hers, it's making biscuits with her, her grandma and great-grandmother and her mother. And for me, my m grandmother on my mom's side was Lebanese and my grandpa was 100% Italian. And for me, it was lasagna on Sunday uh, afternoons, Sunday dinners, uh, my cousins would come down. My mom is one of four girls, and I have a bunch of cousins, most mostly boys. And we'd play football, and Grandma would just create this huge table. And I go into it when Whitney and I both talk about it. It's kind of fun that talk about it. She also uh, shared the memories in her latest cookbook, which is a new Southern table. The cookbook she has put out, the second one she put out after she won the competition. And she talks about the cookbook and what her future future endeavors may be. She's looking to do some interesting things, and she'll talk about that. I also found out that her and I both are huge tennis fans. Probably not a lot out there, but her and I have a real love for tennis, and we chat a little about men's tennis and the players and that kind of stuff, so... You may find it interesting. We found it fun to talk about it. She shares her favorite tool in the kitchen. She shares the don't quit resilient lesson that her father has taught her. And she also talks about her charity work. She does a lot of charity. She auctions off her cooking abilities, and she's really active in the Tim Tebow Foundation. So she does a lot of charity work. We do talk a lot about that kind of stuff and a whole a much, much more. Yeah, this interview, it just makes me so happy. I'm so happy to present to you Miss Whitney Miller. Hi, Whitney. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. No problem. Glad you're on the show. Glad we get a chance to, get a chance to meet and, and talk about what's going on and stuff. Everybody um, wants to go right towards like your competition win at MasterChef and that kind of stuff. I, I kind of want to start there a little bit. So seven years ago, you won that competition. Did you have any idea that 
you would have this arc of a career when you send in that audition tape to that show. I mean, this has got to be just one heck of a ride for you. Well, it was, it's definitely been a surprise as far as just what opportunities that winning MasterChef um, has brought. But, I mean, being to the fact that none of the contestants and I had ever watched anything like this because MasterChef was in its first season, we right. had nothing to compare it to or anything. So we're going in, you know, blindly into what we're going to experience <laughs> with the challenges and the whole platform. Right. And I think, in a way, that was probably good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because if sure. we would have known what we were walking into, I think it would have been a little bit more intimidating. <laughs> okay. um, the only real intimidation in the beginning was just Gordon Ramsay. Oh, my yeah, gosh. You sure. know, just walking sure. into his presence. That, since, um, I hope you don't mind if I divulge how old you were at the time. Um, oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, at 21, you win this competition, and I want the listeners to kind of understand that this is what happens when you put yourself out there, when you actually take a chance and no telling what can happen with just one appearance, one action, that just taking a step forward, and you're a great example uh, especially for young girls that don't be afraid. Get out there, take a shot, take a step, and who knows what can happen to you. I mean, it's just, I think yeah. you're, a good, you're a good mentor, mentor for that as well. I, you know, I grew up in a, a small town in Mississippi, and um, I always grew up in the kitchen with my great-grandmother and my mom learning to cook, and I had a passion for it at a really young age. And I believe that everyone, and you know, has a passion for something, and I think maybe it's something that you don't necessarily find at like three years old, like when right. I started cooking, um, and it might be later on in life, but you have that, and it's just, you know, how you um, go about um, just really encompassing that passion whether it's a hobby or whether whether you want to use that as a career. And for me, that was kind of what I battled is, okay, I love to cook, but, you know, is this going to be a career? And I was a senior in college, and I was going to be a dietitian. And I really just knew in my heart that I wanted to be in the kitchen. Like, it was more than just a hobby. I wanted it to be mm-hmm. um, a career. And so I had randomly found out about the auditions for MasterChef on the New Orleans website, and I was just kind of looking up to see what to do that weekend because there's always events going on. Oh, okay. And it said something about, you know, this opportunity for auditioning for a reality cooking show called MasterChef, and the auditions were in two weeks. And I was okay. like, huh, I, I think I'm just going to go out and do this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you hear in the background, that's my son. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. It's awesome. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that was definitely not by chance. Um, it was definitely the Lord's work in, in um, showing that to me. And then, you know, there's a process of the audition, you know, a lot of steps. And then it was me t- taking um, a step in, into a direction I've never done, which was TV. <laughs> Being that young, too. And um, I think the one thing, um, if anyone... And I think this plays out with not just 
if you're going to do a reality show. <laughs> but um, having confidence in, you know, yourself. And I always had confidence in my food, no matter if it was that the 10 years, which I told Gordon Ramsay that I'd been cooking from 12 years old, wanting to do it professionally, um, thinking I wanted to be a pastry chef, that I had the confidence um, in cooking because I had been doing it, you know, for so long, even yeah. if it was really amateur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. That's a that's a great point as well. Is it, and there's a lot of I think young girls suffer from lack of confidence in what they're doing, and I think most of it is from they're afraid of being made fun of by their peers. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a it's a great point that you made about being self confident. That's because I know I, I read on your bio and stuff that you do. Um, cooking comp or not competitions, but go around the country and talk to kids about cooking and mentoring and that kind of stuff. And um, can you kind of see it in the young kids out there that they may have a knack or a, a real love for this stuff when you're kind of sitting down with them or kind of in front of them doing a little demonstration? I do, and I think what's exciting about it is, you know, when I was growing up, there was not, you know, Food Network was still not very big. I mean, I was watching Emeril and Martha Stewart, and, right. you know, that just sparked um, my creativity. And, you know, that was just hardly anything going on at the time in the food world, especially right. nothing geared towards kids. But yeah, now yeah. with so many cooking shows that, you know, um, Chop Jr. and MasterChef Jr., and there's just so many opportunities that kids are seeing, hey, I can do that. And I think what happened when I was on the show is exactly that same thing. You know, at the time, still, there was not anything like that for kids. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like having look <laughs> so young as well right. that kids and, you know, kids from 8 years old to, you know, 12 years old, they're like, hey, wow, I think I could do something. You know, look how old she is, and she's able to accomplish so much. Mm -hmm. And so I also try to encourage moms and parents and, um, you know, have your kid in the yeah. kitchen with you. You know, yeah. if that seems to be something that they're interested in, my mom had so much patience in the kitchen <laughs> to have had me by her side. And I know it now because I have a little one, and he wants to be held while I'm cooking. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's coming full circle. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Did um. Did your sister as much into it as as you were? Does she enjoy being in the kitchen as much as you, or as well, I mean, when you were younger, hanging out? Um, no, I have an older sister and a younger sister, and neither one showed any interest. You know, it was, hey, let me see how I can get out of the kitchen, or you know, they would help with the cleanup, and I would help cook. No, oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. That's awesome. When you were, I always, I'm kind of interested in the creative process. When you kind of like watch Martha Stewart or watch someone on TV and they're cooking a dish, and you can go to the website and you can get the ingredients and kind of figure out how to do it. What's your process mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're looking at a recipe and thinking to yourself, I think I could tweak this a little bit. For people that are listening who want to kind of expound a little bit on a particular recipe from somebody else, what advice could you give them to – not not take the safe route, I guess, but to get out there and try yeah. try to 
spruce up or change their recipe without fear of failure? That's a great question because there are people that are very um, creative and they love to be in the kitchen, but sometimes it, they're held back because they're nervous. I don't want to prepare something and then you know, it turns out horrible or right. whatever. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of be in my safe zone and cook the same thing, but it, it gets boring. So right. what I always encourage them initially is you know, take a dish, um, whether you've had it somewhere or you see a recipe, and there might be this whole list of ingredients. You know, Say it's an Asian dish or something, and you're like, I don't even recognize these. I can't get them. And think, okay, well, how can I replace these with something that I'm used to? So I actually do that, and I have some recipes in my second cookbook, New Southern Table, where it's an Asian dish, it's an um, Indian dish, but I give it a Southern twist. Oh, and cool. that way, most of the Southern ingredients are common, and so you know they're recognizable to most people, so it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable when they see those ingredients. But, oh, hey, it's, this is an Asian-inspired dish. So it's something new and different, but using common ingredients. Can you? Um, I'm glad you brought up the cookbook because I was going to bring it up as well. Because um, you put the, on the title on the cookbook, it's New Southern Table, My Favorite Family Re- Recipes with a Modern Twist. And mm-hmm. I was trying to – what's your definition of a modern twist when it comes to, like, a, a family southern recipe for – I don't know, chicken fried steak or mac and cheese or – can you give us an example out of the book that you kind of yeah. – a little bit? That would be awesome. Okay, so um, mac and cheese for an example. Um, I actually, actually did not grow up loving mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> I ate it so much because my sister just makes like the craft mac and cheese when she babysat my sister and I, oh, okay. my younger sister and I. And it was to the point where it was like, oh, my gosh, my parents leave us again, and we have fish sticks and mac and cheese. <laughs> and so as an adult, I, you know, as a teenager and so adult, never really cared for it. Okay. So I was thinking about recipes to create for the book, and um, my mom said, you know you have to put a mac and cheese recipe in there because people love mac and cheese. And I was like, right. okay. And so anyway, I made um, a pimento and cheese mac and cheese. And then I also um, have a version where I add crawfish. So oh, it can be like a you know completed meal, but it's something a little bit different. So the modern spin is you know, having um, something more than just macaroni noodles. I think if you really want it to soak up and like get some of that cheesy sauce with every bite, I use a shell. Oh, okay. um, and that way it really just kind of um, gets into the little crevices more. Mm-hmm. And... By adding the pimento and cheese, I think it really makes it creamier. Oh, interesting. Okay. But another example of kind of that modern twist is, um, so I have some indulgent recipes, and um, I really focus on, with the dessert, not skimping. You know, make it maybe a smaller portion if you're concerned about (laughs) the um, idea of, oh, I'm indulging. But um, also... Don't use low-fat this and that. You know, it's better to me having that full flavor in something than, um, than not having it, you know, at all. So I also kind of put a little healthier spin on some of the recipes, but I don't actually just go out and say it. 
because people don't like the idea of something that's healthy, and especially when you put Southern next to it. <laughs> but, you know, I just do that in, um, kind of inconspicuously, and um, I use olive oil. I have a, a oh, pie yeah. crust recipe that uses olive oil instead of butter, and it really actually um, makes the pie crust hold up better, and it's flaky, and um, I freeze the olive oil until it's, like, really cold. Oh, okay. So just as if you were working in cold butter. Oh, okay. um, and I make lemon meringue pies using that way. Oh, interesting, interesting. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug somebody here. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. But we're members of a, it's called the Fresh Pressed Olive Company. And the gentleman that runs it go, flies all over the world for really good quality olive oil. Because sometimes the olive oil sitting on the shelf in the grocery store has been there for quite some time. And it's, mm -hmm. it's fresh. But this gentleman, he'll fly to Australia or to South America, over to Europe, and he usually goes when it's harvest time for harvesting the, the olives. And he gets it right from the tree. They press it. He puts it in boxes and ships it out to the members. So it's it's uh, and they have That's awesome. yeah they have really really distinct flavors. To me, I get a lot of pepper on the back end of the olive oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, might be something you may want to look into to kind of get some really different olive oils to kind of play with and see how that works in a pie crust or that might work with a, um, a buried pie or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, and I, um, I've worked with California Olive Ranch and they actually grow all their, um, their olives in California and um, everything is done there. And they have different types and, you know, different oh, okay. flavor profiles. And there's one that is nutty. Oh, and okay. it deals with, I think, the season, you know, they're harvested. and um, But it is really good with chocolate. So I make a chocolate granola with that olive oil because that nuttiness just kind of oh. plays into the chocolate. Yeah. So I have kind of, you know, played around with some different ones. And um, another thing I was going to tell you about, like the modern – with is I also use fresh ingredients and so you're not going to see like casseroles or you know whatever and um, I try to be creative about how I'm going to give you that comfort food um, but in a day and time where I think people are getting more away from like the canned stuff and you know there's definitely a time and place to use it because I will use some canned tomatoes and um, <laughs> canned beans but um, you know trying to incorporate those fresher ingredients, and to me, it lightens up the flavor. Oh, I agree with you 100%. You can, I, you can really, really taste the difference between the two. If you have, if you made them side by side with processed ingredients and the fresh ingredients, it's, there's nothing comparing. It's amazing to it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Everybody needs to go out and get that, that cookbook. Are you working on a new book, cookbook at the moment, or is that one kind of just um, the last um, one. So, so right now I'm actually um, working on another project. So, um, you know, when I won the show, it was definitely a dream of mine to put a cookbook together because, you know, again, I'd been cooking for a long time and I had my little um, paper pieces of recipes <laughs> that I had, you know, kind of combined, but right. I had never, you know, done anything with them until – I was given the opportunity to write my first cookbook. And so to me, that was awesome. And then to be able to do it again was just even more of a blessing. 
And so now I'm working on um, a cooking show. Oh, cool. And really, I'm just, you know, if I could give be given that opportunity to, again, um, reach others, you know, through their homes and teach them and inspire people at any age to cook. And um, I think it's also one of my passions to um, create food memories for people mm-hmm. because I think when you taste something, um, like I can be making my biscuits and I'm quickly transported to my great-grandmother's kitchen and um, her, her and I are making them together and eating them, you know, with her or um, even something as simple as breaking open a watermelon during the summer. Right. It reminds me of sitting at my grandmother's kitchen and she would just break one open and we would enjoy them during the summer together. So creating those food memories uh, for others and inspiring those to get in the kitchen to create those food memories with their family and sitting around the table and enjoying a meal together. Um, that's something that really is a passion of mine. And if I can deliver some easy recipes for people so that they can feel like, oh, I can do this myself, then right, right. that's you know, my mission. Um, would that be if this thing launches and, and gets um, – picked up on is that going to be on like the a network or are you going to do like youtube or how yeah. is oh yeah i'm i'm pitching it to um networks now so i have a show concept now that's in the works um cool. and so hopefully we're we'll find out something soon and if it happens it happens if not then also um another thing on my plate is um i'm doing a lot of menus and recipe developing and I've worked with some restaurants, but the opportunity to have my own restaurant in, um, in Nashville would just be a great location. That would be awesome. That would be very cool, too. So if, you, if this TV show works out, you need, you're going to use the um, food memories as a, a tagline in it somehow? I think I, I think I will because, again, it plays into um, my cooking style, yeah. and I think that um, – Comfort food is kind of that as well, and yeah. so comfort yeah. food, southern, and food memories all just play into each other. Yeah, I think it should actually. I think it's um, I think it'd be a great tagline, and people could it really resonates with people as well. I mean, that could be your tag. I create cooking memories. I mean, it was. I think that's awesome. It's it's to the point, and it really hammers home exactly what you do. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's my two cents. What? What's one of your uh, dishes that would do that for you? Yeah, exactly. Um, probably my wife makes a really good lasagna, and she says that's why I married her is for the lasagna. When I was <laughs> – my, my grandmother was Arme- um, Lebanese. My grandfather was 100% Italian on my mom's side. And every Sunday, my mom's got three sisters. We'd all go down to my grandmother's house. And my cousins and I would, mostly all boys, would play football. And, I, and my grandmother would just do this huge spread with kibbe and grape leaves and lasagna and sausages. And it was just this huge spread. So it's every time that my wife makes my grandmother's lasagna recipe, it, it brings me back to playing with my cousins at my grandmother's house and sitting around, running around that house and in fact, I have my grandmother's hutch in my dining room that was there when I was eight, nine years old in Burbank, California. So it's, I would say that that's 
anything like that kind of takes me back to to my grandmother's table and just sharing the food with grandma and grandpa and my brothers and my brother and my cousins and stuff. So that's what it is for me. So you're right. Everybody has that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that memory. I mean, it's it's funny how in Mississippi it's the the biscuits and the southern food and stuff, and then of all places, Burbank, California, it's this lasagna of all things. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you at, where you live, you, those memories are so they're just entrenched in people. It's really amazing. Yes. And you were talking about. I think something. Oh, sorry, I think something else that's really neat is that food is something that brings people together and mm-hmm. no matter different cultures uh, when I got a chance to travel um, across the world after I won the show I am sitting in a table with people in China and you know not necessarily we can all speak the same language right. you know sometimes we could but it was to me when we were sharing a meal together and you could just see, like, the joy on each other's faces mm-hmm. when we're enjoying it. And it was just, like, that spoke without words. And so yeah. I, I really just love how food does that. And I also see how almost the Southern culture and um, the hospitality, it is worldwide. I was in um, uh, – uh, my brain is losing me um south africa and everyone there was so hospitable and we enjoyed meals just like we would here and um it was you know all laid out and it was like family style and i just love that and i think it was just neat to be able to experience that same kind of thing and feel like hey i'm home again but i'm not (laughs) i'm in south africa that's awesome i I interviewed a, a chef. His name is Bob Vanigan, and he's in um, he's in the Panhandle of Florida, but actually lives in um, Alabama. And he was going over to Turkey because he works with um, men's Christian organizations, where he kind of does cooking demonstrations, and he owns a catering company and and does a lot of other things. And he was telling me that the Turkey wanted him, the country Turkey, wanted him to fly to Turkey and do a southern meal, southern dish, for his or his organization. So Chef Bob, he put out the list, I need this, 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 and this, and it was all like buttermilk and a lot of butter and all the stuff that he would need uh-huh. to create something there in, in Alabama. <laughs> and when he got to Turkey, he had everything but one ingredient, and he was amazed that they were able to get what he needed. But he created this oh, wow. big, yeah, this big southern fair for all these Turkish people who were just enthralled with it. They loved it. They never had fried chicken before, and they were like, going nuts over it. And he was saying it was such a cool experience to the because the food, you're right, it just connects people like nothing else. Music does it too, I think, music and food. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was a really neat story, him telling that story of how he just kind of took Alabama and moved it to Turkey and had everybody experience <laughs> it. It was, it was kind of cool. It was really, really neat. Let me see here. That's a great story. I love that story. That's awesome. I do have. I got some questions. I got some questions that I, I kind of like to throw out there. There he is. Hey, Willis. Um. 
Other than a sharp knife, what kitchen tool can you not live with? And why? Um, hmm. I would think, um, a cast iron skillet. Nice. <laughs> um, I use a cast iron skillet all the time, and it was, again, something that I learned from my great-grandmother because a lot of her dishes she made with her cast iron skillet. Yeah, I love ours, too. That thing is awesome. Love it, love it, love it. If you had to choose three herbs or spices for the next year, what would they be? And salt and pepper don't count. Okay, three herbs and spices. I love garlic powder. Um, I like to make, like, rubs, so it's something that I would use. And a herb, I... I tend to use cilantro, even though that's not very southern, but I just love its, like, bright freshness. Uh-huh. And rosemary. And rosemary is so easy to grow. It's so hardy. And I love to use it with pork, and um, I like to use it with steak. It just uh, adds this, I don't know, and just it brightens up, but also it just, like, intensifies, especially something like, a steak. It just kind of adds this little note like, hmm, what is that? Yeah, exactly. So, just um, real quick, you had a really good, um, let's use ribeye for example. Ribeye steak. Yes. Would you, how would you prepare it? Would you prepare it in a cast iron skillet or would you grill it or how would you do it and then include the rosemary in it? Okay, so my husband and I, we love to enjoy a steak every once in a while and ribeye is actually my husband's steak of choice and so we usually will share one and we'll start it on the grill and then we'll get the cast iron skillet hot on the grill okay. and that way we can get a good just like crust so we get a good coarse salt and pepper on the outside of the steak and then we'll finish it with some rosemary and butter on top so the butter really helps to um, infuse that rosemary flavor into the steak at the last minute, and it is <laughs> so good. So good, so good. That's awesome. Do you um, do you kind of chop up the rosemary and kind of make a rosemary butter, or you just kind of sprinkle it on and throw the butter, a pat of butter on there? I just put the butter on there and then just let the um, the whole stem oh, okay. of a rosemary just kind of infuse on top, and it really just imparts that flavor easily but you could definitely make a, um, a rosemary butter but sometimes it can just be a little oh. tough so I don't really want it in something um, yeah. I just want that flavor to infuse okay. I love it That's but awesome. now a southern spin with using rosemary in the cookbook um, new southern table I make a rosemary honey and so I just let honey simmer with the rosemary stem in it and it infuses that flavor and then I drizzle it over a chicken and biscuits. Oh, that's a great idea. And also what it does is that just kind of aromatic earthiness takes yeah. some of that sweetness away. I've also added the rosemary to um, a cranberry sauce. And I serve the cranberry sauce with a pork tenderloin that's wrapped in bacon. And you have these, like, that, again, earthiness, the sweetness, the tartness. And then you have the saltiness of the bacon that really just um, pairs well with the pork. Oh, man. Um, 
would you would you use the rosemary and cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving for that cranberry sauce, or is that not the place for it? You can. It's actually a smooth one, so I puree the whole thing. Um, oh, but okay. I have made it um, a like a chunkier version and left some of the berries whole. But uh -huh. it's actually a recipe that's in the first cookbook, so you can find that oh, okay. in Modern Hospitality. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. I'll have to try that this November, because we always make our cranberry sauce, but I never thought about throwing a rosemary in there either to kind of flavor it. Thanks, Whitney. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. What is the best lesson your father ever taught you? Oh, my goodness. Um, he actually had a big part in how well I feel like I performed on the show, MasterChef, and that's mm -hmm. because he was my tennis coach. And so my dad was um, a basketball coach for 26 years and then coached tennis, um, started it at the, the high school that I went to, and he was my own coach. And so he just, I don't know, he um, taught me definitely to be resilient, um, to never quit. And so when I dropped my chicken in the last 10 minutes of the show, you know, he's up there watching, and I could I remember picturing him even seeing it when I watched the show myself, and he was just like, ah. Oh. But I <laughs> knew um, that mentality that he taught me with tennis, and tennis is such a mind game as well. And so, mm -hmm. you know, being in that moment, you could either have gone, you know, one, two ways. You could have just thought, okay, it's over, or you could have picked up, you know, another piece, got it on the, <laughs> the skillet like I did, and just knew that I, I couldn't forfeit. And so right. I think that was a big thing that he, you know, taught me at a young age. And um, it definitely helped me on the show. Oh, that's amazing. That is so cool. I was going to, um, oh, you, you mentioned tennis. Are you, you played tennis. Are you a tennis fan? Mm -hmm. Do you? Um, yes, I love tennis. I've grown up watching it since I was really young. We do too. So who do you like nowadays? I, um, you know, I love to watch um, Nadal because he's just a different type of tennis player. He has so much strength. Yep. And then I love just the easiness of um, Federer, Federer because he's just so effortless. effortless. It's just, <laughs> I love maddening. watching him. Yeah, yeah, it is maddening <laughs> watching him on there. It's like, oh, my God, he's just like. He doesn't sweat a whole lot. He makes it look so easy. And uh -uh. the ball is sweating like a, like a, <laughs> yep. like a screen out there. <laughs> and it's it's so funny watching the two different. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like the game of golf is not a game of strength. You can't hit the ball farther by swinging harder. And tennis is kind of – you can't. You can hit the ball harder. But the, the dichotomy between those two guys, it's – uh, we just love it. We love it. I mean, we tape the, the majors, and we just our, – our goal and our dream is to go to all the majors in every country to see all the majors. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I was so mad because I was in – I was, like, traveling whenever there was, um, a, like, a big tournament where they just go, you know, from one country to the next. And right. every time I would go into another country, like I was in Dubai, and they were having um, – I don't even remember what – what type of tournament it was, but they were there, and I'm like seeing all these posters of like 
oh my gosh, why do I have to be here for a food event? I want to sneak over <laughs> to the court. And then I would go to another country, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And, yes, me too. I'm in the same boat. I want to definitely go to Wimbledon and the yeah. U.S. Open. And um, I have watched uh, Pete Sampras play. Oh, nice. um, and it was just in like a fun kind of um, exposition, exposition type thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's the only thing I've I've seen besides enjoying it on TV. On TV, uh, Wimbledon is my wife's favorite. She, we want to do that one for sure. I want to do them all. We both want to do them all. But her favorite is Wimbledon. And we lived in Houston for many years. And a realtor that we were using to find our house, he had tickets to one of the. Um, They've moved it now to a country club. There's a tournament that goes on down there. And he had tickets where it was at a tennis center, and there's a clay court. And we got to see uh, Blake, James Blake, and Andy Roddick play. And okay. Yeah, James Blake was um, the one competing against Pete Sampras. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And to see Andy Roddick actually serve in person, that serve was Oh, gosh. It was amazing. It was like you cannot believe a ball could travel that fast. It was just crazy. Crazy good time. It was so much fun. Yeah, we love it. It's cool. We got a, a, a tennis fan in the house. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I also try to stay on the trimmer side with you know, enjoying to eat. <laughs> um, and I've, I've taught my husband how to play. He was a baseball player in college, and so I had to teach him. Okay, you can't swing it like a, a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like a baseball bat, right? Yes. I love. I wouldn't mind picking it up, though. But one of these days, maybe I will. It's something that I. I was. I don't play very much, but I love watching it. I always have since I was a little kid. I just love it. Love it. Love it. So, I do have a challenge question I want to ask you about catering. Okay. So, you receive a request to cater a dinner party for 25 guests with a budget of $500 roughly $20 a piece. The menu is to include two hors d'oeuvres, two main courses, and a dessert. Describe the menu that you would create. Wow, okay. Um, so <laughs> I actually have done a lot of different dinners, and um, I've done them on a large scale. And then one of the things that I do is I feel like because I've been given this you know, talent, this gift, um, I try to use it to serve the Lord and to um, to give back. And so I auction my cooking services off for a couple of charities, and one is the Tim Tebow Foundation. And his foundation does a lot of great work with um, helping families adopt children. He um, has a hospital that he built in the Philippines, and then he builds, like, children play places in hospitals. So it kind of gives them that break away from feeling like they're in a hospital, you know, 24-7. And I've done different dinners for, you know, small um, small dinners that people who have bid and won. One of the things I love to do is give them, like, a taste of the South through a um, cheese plate. So I'll make my homemade um, pimento and cheese, and then I'll do, I have a homemade uh, buttermilk ricotta cheese, and then I like to put, like, grilled fruits with it and um, – uh, Christinis, and so I think that's an easy way, and I'll serve them in little mason jars, very southern. So that could be a good, easy starter. And mm-hmm. then I also love to do, um, as a starter, cornbread 
um, toast. So I'll just make the cornbread in loaves and then slice it up and toast it, and I'll make different butters and spreads. I do a um, butter bean hummus. So, you know, that's very inexpensive, so that's something easy. And to me, the presentation, if you're on a budget, the presentation of it can just make a wow impact. Absolutely. Good point. Yes. And then chicken is very inexpensive, so you can definitely have that be um, your main. Um, I love to serve chicken um, in creative ways. So one of the ways is a white barbecue chicken. It's easy to do. I like to put it on the grill to crisp up the skin. And I do a smoked paprika, salt, pepper, very easy um, seasoning. And then I make this white barbecue sauce that is in, um, has a punch with vinegar, but also mm. is balanced with sweetness from roasted garlic. Oh, and that's okay. just lathered on the chicken. And then you can make a little chefy um, version of uh, grits to serve with it. I do a grits souffle, um, and then serve some roasted uh, corn, um, where I make the corn, and then again use a little bit of um, cream. <laughs> and um, a cream. it's like Not a creamy, like a like a cream style corn, but it really just makes it even creamier. <laughs> um, and then for dessert, hmm, uh, I think something that's cheap is banana pudding, but I could serve it in mason jars, and I have a version in my second cookbook where I actually um, sweeten it with pistachio powder, oh, and it kind of gives it a little bit of a tint of green. But really what the pistachio does is it substitutes half of the sugar that you normally would use yeah. um, for, for that pistachio powder, which is kind of a tongue twister to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. I and it. I have a question. I don't, yeah. I don't know, you know how many banana puddings maybe you've had or if you've had any at all, but it's funny because um, it's, I guess, the way you grow up and you enjoy things. So. I like my banana pudding warm, and so I, that's why, you know, in a mason jar, I'll um, just individualize the dessert, and then I put it in the oven with the meringue to get warm and toast it on the top, but I will eat it warm. Now, my husband likes his cold, and he wants whipped cream on top, <laughs> so his, his, you know, his enjoyment of it is completely different than mine. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Very interesting. Well, I never... Um, I don't eat bananas. I'm allergic to them. I have a w one occasion. Uh, so okay. Yeah, I don't. I I never had banana pudding. Mom used to make the box chocolate pudding stuff when I was growing up in mm -hmm. Jello. So I am anti-Jello at this age. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the banana pudding I never could have because the bananas just freak out my throat, and so I I don't eat bananas. But they yeah, sound that would that would not be delicious. good at all. <laughs> <laughs> sounds delicious. Listen, I know you're busy. you got the little guy there, and you've got stuff going on. I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your stories with you. I really enjoyed having you on, and I'm, I'm pleased to, to meet you. And when I get to Nashville, I will send you an email and say, hey, where can I go? That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. Definitely hit me up. I can give you a lot of rec recommendations for some great restaurants. Excellent.
why don't you let folks know how they can get a hold of you if they want to, um, number one, buy the cookbook or take a look at the cookbook. I'm sure you can get that through Amazon. Yeah. I'll put a link on the show notes for Amazon or in your website or your webpage and stuff. But how can people yes, if you, if you go to um, WhitneyMiller.net, and um, I'm actually just about to have WhitneyMiller.com as well, and I'm giving my site a new refresh, so um, okay. that's to come, something exciting to see. But if you go to the Contact Me section of my website, you can actually um, message me, and I can send you a copy of a signed cookbook, so it's a little oh, bit okay. you know, more special. Yeah, uh, so visit me there. You can also ask me questions or see what I'm cooking up in the kitchen on a regular on my social media. So I'm at Whitney Miller on Facebook and then Whitney Miller H on Instagram and Twitter. Cool. Awesome. I'll put those in the show notes and people can get a hold of you if they want to follow you, chat with you, or get some more information and, and that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Um, have a great afternoon there in beautiful Nashville, and have a great weekend. You too. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking food. I know you do. I appreciate it. That's, that's great. Thanks, Whitney. Bye. Bye-bye. Be sure to visit us at AOAChef.com for all the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at AOA Chef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.